We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ivy Nation Sports Talk is here on a Tuesday. Hope you are doing well as we roll right through this stretch for the Fighting Irish. It's one night game after the other. Two down, two to go. All of them against ranked and unbeaten teams. We're going to talk about one of them tonight. Jesse's got his whiteboard ready to go. We're not going to do that right now. Is your uh, is your whiteboard hand, like is it set? Is it primed? Like, where are you? right now I'm, i am uh cocked and loaded i would say i got the <laughs> i got the trigger i got the trigger pull or sorry the it's cocked up and ready to be pulled baby i uh i forgot that playoff baseball was on today we've got the wild card rounds they started today i flipped it on late and i got michael k and a rod so i don't know how excited <laughs> i was about that so you're telling me you put that on mute <laughs> I guess, you know, like with A-Rod, it's actually, it took a while. I don't know if he stepped out of the booth or what, but Michael K called a home run, a Twins home run, and I didn't hear from A-Rod for maybe five minutes after that. It was actually quite delightful, <laughs> even though I'm not a, not a big Michael K Yankees announcer enthusiast, but we don't need to talk baseball right now. I've got a little bit of uh, baseball sprinkled in later in rapid fire but uh did you see this video that that notre dame put out this hype video from the game the other night yeah i saw that um last night and i actually it was like 11 30 at night and i was no maybe not 11 30 because the monday night game was still going on maybe 10 30 is what i'm thinking of but i stopped everything i was doing and i just watched it it's a five minute video and i've i've watched it three more times since then. So I would say I've watched it a total of four times. It is, uh, it is, it, it is like all kinds of different emotions in one. It really is. It is really something. And I, I just saw it again before we came in here and I watched it again. I'm like, Oh, this is only two minutes long. And then I looked at the timestamp. It was, it's almost five and a half minutes. It doesn't seem like a five and a half minute, but I'm just enthralled with this, with, with this video it's it's really great stuff and it was put out by fire fighting irish media shout out to uh to the group that put this together emily reagan logan stevens ben dismuke 
Kevin McMahon Jr., Katie Lonergan. Ben is uh, is a guy who does some of the social media with women's basketball. He traveled with the team all last year, so I know him a little bit. Katie, a little bit. The others, not as much. But uh, Katie Lonergan, of course, is is one of the SIDs in charge of football over there. So we see her all the time. But it, it is just fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, it is, it's got the audio that includes coaches talking in the coaching headsets, uh, but you know, at key moments of the game and it's got play by play clips from both TV and radio. And of course, all the other feels that go along with it. And if you haven't seen it, well, you're in for a treat. Just sit back. We're going to sit here at the theater, get out your popcorn, and we're going to watch it together. Here it comes. We will uh, we'll discuss afterwards. Get this thing bang under two minutes, best case scenario. Yeah. We'll have to go yep. two minutes, obviously. We got to go. We got all four downs. We'll have to be good, you know. Everybody cool? Yes, sir. Yep. Let's go, man. Let's go win the damn game. Yeah, amen. Duke's offense coming back on the field. They have fourth down and six on the Notre Dame 33-yard line. Oh, he's going he's gonna to boot. Now Riley Leonard with the push button. Puts it inside the five. And now here comes Notre Dame's offense with a chance to play hero collectively. 235 left in the game, and they trail Duke 14-13. to 13. All right, let's see what we're made of, gentlemen. This is it right here. They are 0 for their last 10 on third down. You're trying to make a comeback here, and the best receivers on the night have been the tight ends. Hartman and who else? He finds Mitchell Evans' tight end, and they keep the game alive. And at 48. We just need a field goal. Yep. Hartman down the middle again. He's got Rico Flores. Flores still on his feet, and he's down to the new 41. How about the true freshman stepping up tonight, Flores? Let's talk about if we were to need a two-point play here. They're going to zone off. Yes, yes. What is our best zone throw? That would be Rico uh, stuck. Yes. What's our line, Marty? 37. Make it realistic. Okay. And it is second down 16 from the 47-yard line of the Blue Devils. Hartman has been under heat from this two defense. Third and 16. All right, dudes, let's go. We got to hit one, man. See that green line. They need to at least get it there. There it comes again. Hartman gets away, and he has to throw it, and it's almost intercepted, and it's fourth down. Game hanging in the balance. Fourth and 16. Can Sam get there? And he got it! Yes. He got there! Yes. He got to the 29! He got it! Third down, right there! Lock, 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 lock! 41 seconds left! He came up short against Ohio State, but tonight, he moves the chains on fourth down! Bradford on fourth and 16. How about right. that? It's crazy. Are you kidding me with Sam Hartman? This kid is a fighter! Alright, listen, you want to try to go uh, three, or you want to hand it off? Hand it! You do, get hand it in the middle. Hand it, hand it. Hands off to Estimate up the middle, keeps his Come feet on. running, he'll do it, he'll score, five, touchdown Irish! Andre Estime puts Notre Dame back on top! 
31 seconds left in the game. Number two. Oh, we got two. Audric estimate the biggest run of his career. And Notre Dame leads to 19 to 14. What a drive. What an answer. And now we await to see what they come up with for a two-point conversion. Hey, hey, D, tell the fact hey. that G, make sure he gets our edge. G to the edge on this. No, T right here. T right here. Go ahead, stack over the tackle. They're on the three-yard line. Stop. Tell Rico he's got to hit and get and hit it and get out. Throw it to him. Hartman, throwback. It's good. It's a seven-point game. Break your Play ball. Play ball. Golly, I, I think we're seeing a new Sam Hartman. They score the touchdown. Their back's against the wall. Maybe their season on the line. Notre Dame up by seven, but not done yet. We plus one. Right now, it's about Notre Dame's defense stepping up here. Trying to secure a victory. Four man rush steps up. Ball hit. Ball comes out. Ball on the 25 yard line. Notre Dame's got it. Yeah, he got it. Yeah. That's awesome, baby. Nash Leofau still has that ball. Let's go, man. This is the feeling that I want for you all. This is why we coach, man. So you guys can come in here and celebrate this. You guys do. You guys did it, man. I remember to unmute myself that time so I didn't start talking and, uh, you know, have my mouth moving and nobody hears anything. That is quite honestly, I'm not exaggerating here. That is the best use of the Internet and social media I've ever seen. I'm, I'm just I'm being honest with you right now. I realize, you know, there's probably some people who use certain websites and stuff like that. who might disagree with me, but uh, like that, that to me, there have been, you know, like I've seen a lot of people over the years like when they show it a hype video or whatever, you know, you hear people say, Oh, I got chills. Or if you don't have chills, when you watch this, you don't have a pulse and, and that kind of stuff. That was one, like the first time ever, the hairs on my arms literally stood up watching it. And they've probably done it every time that I've seen it. And like I said, it's a five and a half minute video. It seems like it's two minutes. I'm just enthralled with that. Every time that I see it and I hear it and, you know, listen to the communication, and I'm, I'm amazed, Jesse, with the calmness, like from, from Jared Parker through the rest of the staff, just, you know, matter of fact, here's what we've got to do, remaining very calm, talking and, and keeping things pointed in the right direction, like multiple steps ahead as well. Somebody pointed out, like, they're only around midfield, and, and they're talking about, well, we might need a two-point play here. What's our two-point play going to be? all that kind of stuff. It was just, that's, like I said, it's one of the best things that I've ever seen on the internet. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The month of October is going to be jam-packed with huge games for Notre Dame. And ticket hunting for those games can be stressful, which is why you need to check out Game Time. Whether you're looking for last-minute tickets to this week's top 25 matchup between the Irish and Louisville or next week when Notre Dame takes on USC, Game Time is the go-to place for you. That's where I went and got tickets to the Notre Dame-Clemson game for my mom and dad. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Yeah, to me, this because is the what... internet sucks quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially these days, um, it does. And it's, it's, uh, I honestly, I've been going through, you know, phases speaking of the internet. Like, I, I didn't have Twitter during the game because. I wanted to absorb the game and then kind of, you know, have collect my own thoughts afterwards. And same thing with kind of how the Cubs, you know, ended the season. I just got rid of social media because it's just so negative at times. But when you're talking about it in this light, it is one of the best things things that I've seen on social media in a long time. Um, and just again, talking about like all the different emotions of just like excitement, like uh, like tears of joy and then wanting, you know, wanting to run through a wall almost after after watching that. And then, like you said, that it's just everyone is so calm and collected as they're going down the field. Like they have all the most confidence in the team that they're going to get this done, um, no matter what. And 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 another cool aspect of it for me was 
like the different cuts of, you know, they're going to the play-by-play and then they're going to Kirk Herbstreet and then they're yeah. showing this angle, they're showing that angle. And then there's just so many like good things. In the, and it's just like you you see on fourth down, Zeke Correll take a deep breath and then absolutely stonewall that defensive tackle that's trying to get to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to Hartman. And, and then you start talking about, you know, the clutchness of, of Rico Flores, not only on the pass over the middle to, to get the Irish across midfield. And then obviously the two point conversion play and then Mitchell Evans stepping, it just, everyone stepped up in a different way on that drive. And in just the, the way that the, the media team was able to encapsulate that entire drive. It's like, how do you not show that to every recruit and say, you know, how do you not want to come well, here and play? I mean, just the fact that they were like, you don't, you, I cannot recall it. And I watch a lot of like NFL films and different, you know, all kinds of different media, you know, sports related media and stuff like that to have, obviously it helps when you're the fighting Irish media team to be able to put this together. You're going to have, I think the trust of the coaching staff, but you don't hear that headset chatter very often. Like that's something that is because coaches, you know, coaches don't want that stuff out there. You know what I mean? Like in, yeah. in general, like they think it's all top secret and stuff like that. And obviously there were, there were no trade secrets that were given away in any of that. But it's just, again, it's just like enthralling to hear that. You know, Parker asked the question, you get the response, you know, is like they're they're probably going to zone off. What's our best zone throw when they're talking about Rico Flores for the two-point play? And then, well, not only that, but like telling the running back that he needs to widen out right. his align, alignment because it's going to be a sprint out and he needs to be pick up that defender to the uh, in front of Hartburn. Yeah. Uh, on the edge and then Flores, you know, well, and then you about- saw you saw estimate throw that block and he, like if he hadn't been cheating in that direction, he might not have might not have hit, you know, been able to hit that. Yeah. And then and then the, you know, the hit it and get out for Rico Flores. That means yeah. he's got to he's got to hit it and then get out means just drift backwards. Drift, you know, that's that's what they're talking about with with getting out of it, essentially. And it's just like it, it's that was the, the coach's commentary is it just shows that everything was kind of. A plan, but not a plan, right? Like you, you, you're you're doing your best to, to go as 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 planned as possible, but then obviously when the ball is snapped, you, you just kind of have to go about you know making the plan work essentially. And to me, again, it's like that whole video encapsulates how gutsy the entire offensive staff was uh, on that last drive. Because let's face it, the offense underperformed and and didn't really do you know what they like they didn't hold their end up of the bargain, I guess is what I'm trying to say in terms of if you're looking at it offensive and defensively, defensively, they held up their side of the bargain. The offense obviously struggled all day, but you know, with their back, like Kirk Herbstreet said, with their backs against the wall, final drive of the game, like, let's see what you're made of. You know, like you can, you can throw away the entire game if you get that score there and and take the lead. Right. And that's what they did. You're you're judged. You're judged by, by drives like this. And to your point, Sam Hartman was at least criticized in some circles for allegedly not coming up in clutch moments against Ohio State. Was he at his best against Ohio State? No. Was he his best for the for probably you know ninety ish percent against Duke? No. But he came up clutch, and like you heard Gino Gaduli there say, he ran for it on fourth and sixteen. <laughs> It's a gutsy like, move. You're putting all of it on you on yourself. You know, yes. like if it goes bad and you come up five yards short, you're going to be the, the quarterback who just, you know, made that decision. You didn't decide to throw it downfield and you come up short. Like, and, and to me, watching that play, 
kind of seeing it from the other side, I, I, to me, at what point did Hartman realize he was going to run for it? Because to me, he sets up the defense. If you see him, he kind of resets his kind hips. Kind of cocks. Yeah. He cocks. And I think at that point, he knew that he was going to run, but he was trying to buy himself And he a was little at bit the extra. line of scrimmage. He, he right. literally kind of paused there for a second at the line of scrimmage. And it's like, now it's now it's now or never. And he decided to to not completely tuck it. He was carrying it like a loaf of bread a little bit there, yeah. but still. And that, that was, again, that was, I think when he decided to cock back and, and reset, that's when he knew he wasn't uh-huh. going to throw it. He was just trying to get those DBs back um, a little bit more. But I, I would say the final thing that was really interesting to me was just the collaboration. Like you kind of talked about the collaboration between head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, running back coach, and wide receiver coach. And to me, McCullough and Stuckey were just like they're they're like the cherry on top. Those are the guys who like you could feel, you know, they're they're the ones on the field radiating this confidence. Yeah. and everyone else and you can hear the confidence in their voice when they're kind of relaying back to Jared Parker through the headsets as well so I found that to be really really awesome as well just stuck in McCullough's confidence and, and again the, the collaboration between everyone at, at the same time absolutely Alex says you could listen to the XFL coaches when watching on ESPN and it was awesome but this golden and Let's be honest. You could watch the XFL coaches because they want any exposure they can get. That's why they granted that access. I mean, it's like it's a little bit different when you're talking about XFL that just had to merge with the USFL last week to stay alive. But you're absolutely right in terms of the the collaboration, the communication, the whole thing. And it's really cool to get this kind of inside look. And even beyond that, again, just just the editing and the production value of this in such a short turnaround that they were able to put this together, this, this high quality, again, hats off to the, to the, to the group from fighting Irish media, Emily Reagan, Logan Stevens, Ben Dismuke, Kevin McMahon, Jr. Katie Lonergan for putting this together. It was, it was just fantastic. And of course, you know, as soon as I'm sitting here talking about this is the best use of the internet and social media, of course, again, like when I saw when I saw it again, some I think Reese Davis actually retweeted it and Kirk Herbstreet as well. But then there were some others who were like these different talking points that they're talking about. You know, where do we need to get for the field goal? We're going to run the ball like like you've got people criticizing basically the coaches' strategies because they were thinking about field goal in a one point game. They were thinking about, you know, where do we need to get to have a realistic shot? Well, yeah, and that's, that's kind of like got, the, you've got to keep that in your mind. You can't just go all or nothing for the end zone. It's a one point game. Again, yeah, you know, it's, it's you like know, there's different intervals on the field and different right. target areas you're trying to hit. And I think where are we trying to first get to and foremost, least? the offensive yeah. staff needs to realize we need to get here at minimum. And then from there, that's when you start looking at, OK, do we do we potentially, you know, knock in, knock in a touchdown here? But. I don't I don't criticize them and I don't criticize Marcus Freeman for wanting to run the ball after that that big, you know, Sam Hartman first down because he's wanting to set up the middle of the field and then get his team in the best situation if they need to take a field goal. Right. Like it's it's still you're doing the best thing. You're you're kind of you're using, you know, this play to set up next play and the next play and the next play. Right. And then you're looking at, OK, this is best case outcome and then worst case outcome, depending on, you know, what happens in the play and and just going off of this question here you know what is marcus what was marcus freeman's well, role yeah, and during all of it you heard him say you heard parker ask him after the the hartman scramble you know what do you want to do here do you want to hand it off and freeman says yeah 
hand it off. Now, you know, maybe, maybe there's one point where you, you know, cause he was thinking about field goal at that point, potentially. And he talked after the game and at the press conference about, Hey, maybe Audric Estime should have gone down and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, he's the, the Jared Parker is the guy who's directing this and calling the plays. But again, he deferred to the head coach once they were in field goal range. What do you want to do in this situation? Yeah. So Marcus Freeman's role is more of like a, like um, a little bit of a traffic cop. Like he's, he's playing chess while Jared Parker is kind of playing checkers essentially. You know what I mean? And that's Jared Parker is going to do what he needs to do to get to certain points of the field. And he's going to check in with Freeman and say, Hey, you know, what do we want to do here? Like, what's the overall bigger picture type situation, right? Like Jared, Jared Parker is going to run the finer things, the actual play calling and, and that kind of stuff. And then Marcus Freeman is going to give his input on more of like overall decisions. Again, of like, do we want to run here? Are we looking to score a touchdown here? Are we looking to kick a field goal here? He's he's more on a uh, a macro level and the offensive coordinator is more on like a, a macro level, I would say, in mm-hmm. kind of, you know, everything that's going on. As Michael pointed out, Coach Caduli said the 30, it, it was actually Marty Biaggi, the special teams coach. Would, would, they said, you know, Marty, where do we need to get 37 to be realistic is what he said. And obviously the the scramble by Hartman got him to the 30-yard line. So they were seven yards beyond where Biaggi said they needed to get, you know, for their, you know, for their minimal field goal you know, to be realistic is what he said. And obviously at the 37 yard line is a 54 yard field goal. So that's not a chip shot (laughs) by any means, but Marcus Freeman was still kind of in that, eh, you know, at the 30 yard line, that's going to be a 47 yard field goal. Listen, I'm just happy that it didn't come down to Schaefer because I I don't think I could have sat through it. Did anyone, did anyone want to see that game come down to a field goal of any kind? No, Duke didn't want any of it on their end. I, (laughs) Just very glad Audric Estime ended up uh, doing the dirty work and and getting it in. Well, the thing was is that that play was pretty pretty well bottled up. He just found a cutback lane, and all, everyone kind of over pursued in terms of defensive line and linebackers. And that's all Audric Estime needs one cutback, and he's he's gone, baby. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Vince and I were talking yesterday about fourth and sixteen, and some people have posted some ideas on yesterday's. YouTube video of an, of a name for that play. I tell you, and especially, you know, again, like when you hear Gino Gadouli say, you know, he ran for it on fourth and 16, <laughs> it's like that play. If, if that play happens against Ohio state, we're talking about it in an even much, you know, kind of grander spectrum, I think right now, but that, that play, Sam Hartman, obviously learned from Ohio state not just that carry, but there was the carry earlier where he converted one, where he put his shoulder down and uh, made sure that he finished the run. He obviously learned from that and, uh, you know, had the, had the guts, not too many quarterbacks, especially not that Sam Hartman is slow, but especially, you know, uh, uh, he's not a, you know, like a Jaden Daniels or, you know, those kind of. Well, he's not a bruiser either. He doesn't have size. He doesn't have speed. It's, it's just all kind of like it's it's just average everything. And I just I couldn't I like as soon as I saw him rolling out, I just remember being like, he's going to run for this, isn't he? And I just I didn't think he was going to get it. I just thought 15, 16 yards was going to be a little bit too much for him. And I he just he did enough. And again, I, I to me, it goes back to when he, he, he gave he reset his hips 
and kind of gave that cock because, I, again, I think that just that pushes back the DBs or at least gives them a hesitancy for another second while Sam is still graining, gaining ground and they're kind of stagnant well, or losing ground. What helped him as well, and if you uh, watch any of the upon further review that Brian and Vince did Sunday night, they're looking at this play and they've got the all 22 film and Rico Flores is sitting down there and there's a, a DB in front of him and the safety starts to cheat over. I think Rico Flores's presence there when Hartman does cock his arm definitely helps. But at the same time, as Hartman starts to take off the corner, one, he took a bad route to try to get to Hartman. Two, he he really kind of hesitated. You know, he was a little hesitant even making his break and he didn't come at him really aggressively. And that definitely helped Hartman out. But uh, it's just a, uh, just a gutsy run by Hartman with 16 yards to go pick up 17 to get a first down. So again, that's just a really fantastic video. I'm glad we got to, uh, to watch that. And I'm glad that they, uh, I'm glad they made that as well. You want to get into uh, some deeper football stuff now, Jess? Yeah, I uh that's what I, I, I spent most of my uh homework doing. So okay. I think that's the best thing to get into. Just give I me uh, I don't know. It this this DK is this the guy that you know was going by a different name last week? Where are we bagging on Hartman? Rough host. <laughs> I, yeah, that's like, that's that's a good friend of ours. Um <laughs> Corey, simply known as Fourth and sixteenth. The Sam Scramble that that John Christophic mentioned. That's got a little ring to it right there. The Sam Scramble. I like that one. Yeah. What, do you want to talk about Howard Cross's day with the 13 tackles? Yeah, I think getting into like the, the biggest thing I wanted to kind of get into uh today was Al Golden's defense. And to me, Al Golden's defense um is underappreciated. They've been terrific. Um, and in terms of these last two games, Ohio State and Duke, I thought the defense has actually played better than the offense. And they've been doing a lot of stuff like Al Golden. Al Golden is just like a master at disguise, whether that's coverage, whether that's how he's able to stunt different linemen, how he's, you know, what he's doing with Maris Leofau, uh as, as you know, when he's when he's bringing him. It, it's just I, I love Al Golden's defense. And again, I, I think he catches a lot of heat uh, because, you know, like we've talked about before, it all comes down. And when, when the timing games, of some calls, I think is probably yeah, the timing thing. of some calls. And then when you're in these close games, everyone hyper focuses on basically the last drive or last two drives of the game. And that's been a, one of Al Golden's defense defi deficiencies is he can't get a stop. Sometimes it seems like when they really need a stop after he's been getting stops, you know, majority throughout the of game. Yeah. throughout the entire game. And so, um, I would first kind of like to go into some some Howard, like all of the stuff I'm going to talk about kind of all plays into each other, I guess, is, okay. what I, is what I'm getting at is, you know, Howard Cross's play influences Maris Leofow's play, Maris Leofow's play, um, you know, influences Howard Cross. Um, and then again, some of the stuff that they're able to do defensively um, in terms of coverage. But I think it's worth stating, you know, Al Golden and this defense – um, held, you know, the quarterback, uh, Duke's quarterback, Riley Leonard, to his lowest overall PFF grade and passing grade in almost two years, right? And you don't just do that by accident. And, you know, it, it looks like 
It looks like a lot of five-man pressure, a lot of maybe cover one at the snap that morphs into cover two, that morphs into Maris Leofow as a spy, as Howard Cross is stunting. So all of these things uh, is uh, is is they they all kind of coincide with each other. So uh, the first thing I'd like to look at is coverage-wise, what Notre Dame uh, did in order to confuse uh, Riley Leonard all night. So let me find that one first. I spent the last like two hours, hour and a half kind of preparing for this. I think so you need like, to come up with some obvious names on your files, like con- <laughs> confuse. <laughs> um, so this play is, um, I believe it is third and 10 around Notre Dame's 20. And this is, uh, this is the first drive that Notre Dame was inside um, or sorry, Duke was inside Notre Dame territory. Right. So this is, this is right before the, their first missed field goal. Um, I believe. So what I really like about this play is right off the bat, uh, Notre Dame is showing five linemen, uh, one man in the middle, one high safety. Um, and then with trips over here to the left side, you have three, de- three, de- three defensive backs. And again, kind of one safety, over the top and then going into the boundary here, there's the single wide receiver um, and the single corner, right? So right now it looks like men across the board, cover one man uh, with the the safety over the top. And what I did here is I gave kind of initials for who is where uh, to give a better perspective. So right now Maris Leofau is between the defensive end um, and the defensive tackle. And then Bertrand is between the defensive tackle and the defensive end on the other side. And then DJ Brown is kind of the, the, I would, he's lined up as a linebacker, but he's not really a linebacker. Um, and so again, on, on this play pre-snap, you have five men on the five men on the line of scrimmage and it looks like cover one man. Uh, but then at the, at the snap of the ball, these guys immediately drop out. DJ Brown is going to drop to this, this middle uh, of the field. The other safety is going to take the other middle of the field. And so now we're into a cover two man. Bertrand sees the back swing out of the backfield. So he's got to drop and run with the running back into the flat because again, they're still, they're still showing man. It's still Mm -hmm. man underneath. Um, And then what happens here is, you know, these guys end up stunting, 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 stunting. And then Maris looks like he's going to, you know, bring a pressure. And then he actually drops back and replaces DJ Brown in the middle of the field to act as a QB spy. And, you know, that's something that we've talked about, when Notre Dame plays these mo- more mobile quarterbacks, like they played Brennan Armstrong, they played the quarterback from Tennessee State, um, and now they played Riley Leonard. You know, we talked about you always have to have to spy on this guy, especially on third and long when plays break down, mm-hmm. because these guys are so capable of running the ball and picking up a first down. And so when you can disguise a cover one man and then drop into cover two man and drop Maris into the hole and play a spy, I mean, what is a quarterback supposed to do pre snap to post snap read? Like, there is nothing. Like the, the amount of time that he has to, to make that read. And then also as he's stepping up, realizing that, you know, Maris Leofow is the spy and he's coming after him now too. I just thought it was great, great um, disguise by Al Golden, the defense, and especially on a big down, right? Because you're trying to get the offense off the field and force them into a field goal. What happened on that particular play? Do you remember the result of that? Was that the one where, where Leofow had the tackle for loss or where he uh, tackled Leonard after Leonard tried to take off no yeah so this is one where he actually Leonard kind of steps right up into Maris Leofow who's spying 
Um, and, and Maris gets him for like a no gain, maybe like, you know, gain right. of one, loss of one. That's it, play. You know, and I realize it, by the second half, there were some obvious misses that Leofau had. And it was, it was, it was a kind of a weird game for him because the first half, especially like the first few possessions, I, you know, as I'm writing down my notes, Leofau was making plays. He's like stuffing the running back for no gain. He and Jean Baptiste combined on that sack. And then you know, again, he cuts down Leonard on that scramble. And I think that might be the one right there where, where he cut him off for no gain. He was playing really well. He was, he was all over the place, but some some deficiencies kind of popped up later in the game that I think kind of uh, drew the ire of some fans Saturday night. So I think the thing with Maris Leofau is, you know, and, and who's to say that when Duke went into the to, to halftime, they were their, their adjustments were centered around Maris Leofau because let's face it, in the first half, he was all over the place. He was mm-hmm. stopping the run. He was a quarterback spy. I saw him on the perimeter on a flat route that he that he blew up or you know got in the way of, so it was an incomplete pass. Like Maris Leofau does a lot of things, and I think the reason why Marcus Freeman and Al Golden love him so much is that he is a very versatile player. He is great in performing stunts, right? Like I'm showing right here how Bertrand Maris and three other linemen are showing a five man you know line right now. Maris has the ability to come on a stunt. He has the ability to drop into coverage. Um, he's a great perimeter tackler. He's a great perimeter, you know, coverage guy. Um, he's he can play a quarterback stop, spy. Again, he can he can stunt with the best of them along the defensive line. I, I just think that Maris Leofile doesn't get enough credit for his versatility and the the amount of things that this defense asks him to do. Sure, does he have deficiencies? Yeah, could he tackle a little bit better? Sure. Does it look like every now and then he's kind of running with his head cut off? Yeah, that's the, but those are all, you know, I I would take that for again, the versatility that Maris provides like uh, in terms like on this defense, I think no one is asked to do more than Maris Leofau in terms of playing in the run game, playing in the coverage game, stunting, playing a quarterback spy, like he can do it all. And so Maris Leofau's versatility really is, is what makes him the player that he is. And I'm, I'm still going to stick with, I think that Duke singled him at the half and made adjustments I agree. You know, based off of what he was doing because he was blowing up a lot of stuff in the first half. I agree. All right. What else you got? That's, uh, that's uh, let me see. I think you've got to drop that out of the studio or I would drop both of you at the, you know, like you would go with it the last time I tried to do that. So, yeah. So go ahead and, and bring up your next slide, and let's see what you got. Yeah, so a constant theme um, for this team uh, on Saturday was was the stunts, right? And even if the stunts weren't getting home, they were blowing up a lot of run plays, and they were a lot of you know hands in Riley Leonard's face and a lot of pressure in Riley Leonard's face. So even though you know that the sacks weren't getting there, there was just like. Riley Leonard had no timing. He had nowhere to throw the ball. As soon as, you know, he was taking his one-two drop, they, he had guys in his face immediately. And to me, this goes back to um, a lot of what Maris Leofau and Al Golan were doing on defense. Like you can see here, this is a stunt that they ran. Again, uh, this I love this, by the way. I love when Notre Dame goes five linemen across the board and they either bring all five or they bring a combination of four depending on what's asked for. I absolutely 
I, I don't think Notre Dame should ever bring six players. I think they have enough athleticism in the secondary and um, and their kind of nickel and dime coverages um, and using kind of a linebacker as the whole player in the middle of the field to get by with only bringing four or five. And I've texted you before when they bring six, I think it's so easy for young and maybe, you know, not as talented quarterbacks to find man coverage over the middle and hit some easier kind of slant routes. Right. And so what Notre Dame did really well in this game is they found ways to only bring four or five guys um, and and get pressure on Riley Leonard. And this is one of the cases um, right here. You have, again, five guys across the line of scrimmage. Um, You have two defensive ends, a defensive tackle, and then in between a defensive end and defensive tackle is Maris Leofau and J.D. Bertrand. And so on pre-snap, all five are on the line of scrimmage. J.D. Bertrand's going to drop into the hole or the middle of the field. Basically, when you drop into that, you're looking for crossers Mm -hmm. across the middle, and you're going to step up to kind of whatever crosser uh, enters your zone. Um, but, But on this case, the defensive ends are crashing towards the guards, and then the defensive tackle... Um, slash Maris Leofel are looping behind them. And the reason why this play works is because the defensive end really has to stem this uh, this right guard, right? Like he has to get into his shoulder and start working him upfield. That way it kind of clogs it up and this inside guy can loop around him. Um, and this was, again, a common theme that we saw throughout the game was, was different kind of stunts. And then another one that I really liked um, and this might not be the exact configuration. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever seen this before, to be honest with you. Um, they put Riley Mills and um, I can't remember who the defensive end was, but they allowed the defensive end to crash the RPO and Riley Mills had to quickly work over the top mm-hmm. and take the quarterback if, if he doesn't hand it off to, the, off to the running back. I've never seen a defensive tackle replace the defensive end and have to cover the RPO scheme. I think that's a, a credit to one Al Golden. More, more importantly, that's a credit to Riley Mills and his athletic ability to get yeah. to have the lateral quickness to get to the edge, essentially. There, I, I've seen people saying that Riley Mills doesn't move that well since since bulking up, but just what you're talking about right there, he obviously was, was able to move. And I, I thought that that was a very you – know, they, they pointed that out during the broadcast, and you don't see that often because typically – what happens when the quarterback is making that read, if the defensive end crashes, that's when he knows he's going to take because supposedly the outside is going to be open for him to take off running. But like you said, Riley Mills had the lateral movement and was able to just bop outside and cut that off and stuff him at the line of scrimmage or maybe for a negligible gain. So I thought it was a, a really, really uh, unique scheme. A it's unique such design. a gamble. Yeah. Yeah, like you, I mean, you, you are obviously really are relying on Mills yeah, getting out there. Exactly. You're relying on a defensive tackle to get out there, but they obviously have a lot of faith in Riley Mills that, that he can do that. Go back to Marist because Brian was asking, if Marist is better in coverage, why not have him on the running back side? Well, I think he's better as a, a pass rusher than he is in coverage. I think that's – I think if you're if – you're, because if you don't bring Marist, then that means you're bringing – Bertrand or Kaiser and allowing Maris to guard the running back out of the backfield. I just think Maris is more effective of stunting and he's just, he's just quicker. Like yeah, I, say, I think he's got the better lateral movement between he and Bertrand as well, where he can keep up with a guy like Riley Leonard when he's asked to do that. 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing is they were stunting Maris Leofel a lot to to allow him to like to, to sometimes just fall off into that spy coverage that we just kind of showed, right? And so like there were times where he'd come up the field, allow the, you know, whatever the defensive tackle, defensive end to kind of loop around him or over him. And then as soon as that happened, he was peeling off and then dropping into more of a spy, right? So he was he was stemming his guy, allowing the stunt to take place, and then also dropping back into uh, coverage to play a QB spy at the same time. I just don't think that that's as, as effective with someone like Kaiser or Bertrand. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Good stuff. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cool. So uh, this is a lot of kind of what I just talked about, um, but it's just a different kind of variation. It's Al Golden mixing things up, right? So once again, he shows a five-man front. Um, last time, Maris Leofau was kind of, you know, inside or between the defensive tackle and the defensive end. Well, now Maris Leofau is the end man on the line of scrimmage. J.D. Bertrand's head up the center. Um, and again, you're, you're showing a five-man look. And again, this is, this is the same kind of uh, the, the first whiteboard I did, this is the same look, right? Where they swapped cover one into cover two uh, from pre to post snap. Well, now this time they're, they're doing that again, but then they're giving you a different five man front. Maris is now on the outside, JD Bertrand's head up the center. Um, and then immediately again, in this play, Bertrand's dropping into coverage and they're only bringing four. But last time I showed, you know, basically the defensive tackles, um, were, were it, it was opposite, right? Like the defensive tackles, um, or sorry, the defensive ends were crashing in and then the defensive tackles were looping kind of outside and around them. Well, I would like to call this maybe like a double over um, is a way that you could look at it. Um, the defensive tackle is now stemming or crossing the face of the left tackle um, and the defensive end is going to uh, go across the face of the right tackle. And now both of these guys are stunting or looping um, to their right. And so what this does is it frees up Maris Leofau essentially to run right up the middle and, and get, you know, smoke or, or pressure right on the quarterback right away. And then if, if Riley Leonard wants to allude to the right or, you know, start working to the right to avoid pressure, well, now he's got a defensive tackle looping right into him essentially. So again, it was just another variation of bringing a four-man look, you know, as you're showing a five-man look, and then where is Maris Leofau in relation to everything? Because he was just, you know, basically a defensive tackle, and now he's he's on the outside as a defensive end. So I just – the flexibility and the versatility of Maris Leofau 
is what makes these stunts happen because you can line them up at different, you know, positions along the defensive line, and then you can find ways to, you know, stunt him in, in relation to other players on the field. He kind of reminds me, and, and this is an exaggeration, so I don't want everyone to, to you know, kill me here, <laughs> but he reminds me a lot of Micah Parsons and how they use him at different levels on the field, determining on, you know, down and distance. Are they trying to bring pressure? Are they trying to drop more in coverage? Maris Leofowl is that guy for them. Yeah, like I agree. He's obviously not at the Micah Parsons level, even for the, you know, like college level. But at the same time, in terms of the versatility, he is, I think, the best athlete they have who's got the combination of, of all the tools that you're talking about who they can ask to be very versatile and do some different things with. I like yeah. that. I'd never really thought of that before, but – but you're right about that. Again, um, Parsons is a different level, but yeah. Let me, I think I had one. Oh, yep, yeah, I got one. Actually, you know, I would be, I would be, oh, no, no, this is, this is the one I want right here. This is, um, this is last play of the game. Obviously the play that, you know, creates the fumble that Herod or Howard Cross, uh, when he, when he hits the quarterback, but again, this is like <laughs> it, it looks very simple in nature, but when you start getting into it, it's just genius, uh, you know, on, on parts of Al Golden because again, they're basically showing a five-man, you know, line of scrimmage. This is the last uh, last play of the game where they create the fumble. JD Bertrand's going to drop off into the flat, um, and then what makes this play so special to me is this is Maris Leafau. This is Howard Cross, and I believe this is um, Baptiste here on the end. And so Maris Leofau has two options here. He either, um, you know, come, like stems this right guard, or he's just kind of going to hang out and QB spy um, immediately. And, and that's what he ends up doing on this play. He ends up being a quarterback spy. But, Again, it, he he made some decisions here that ultimately kind of had a, a larger impact on on what happens here. So when Maris Leofowl stems this right guard right here, what that does is it makes it so Howard Cross gets a one-on-one um, matchup with the center, right? And so mm-hmm. if Maris Leofowl just decides to drop immediately into coverage, that right guard is now going to help out on Howard Cross. So that's a double team, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and so we saw Howard Cross eventually get to the quarterback and get a sack. Well, again, that's largely predicated by Maris because Maris stems this right guard. He allows Howard Cross to get a one-on-one matchup uh, with, with the center. And then once Maris Leofau engages on this right guard, he immediately drops back into a spy. But by engaging him, again, he lets Howard Cross get a one-on-one matchup with the guy that he's been destroying all night. Mm-hmm. He gets through there. He, you know, he makes the hit on Leonard and he ends up, you know, recovering the fumble all while Maris Leofow is dropping back into a spy just in case. Right. Like that's the emergency kind of safety valve on the play is you're not you're not going to get burned here by not having a spy in the middle of the field. But instead of Maris just immediately dropping into spy, he stems this right guard. He allows the right guard or sorry, Howard Cross to get a one on one matchup instead of a double team. And obviously we kind of see the rest of what happens there. So. Again, even though Maris Leofau didn't, it didn't look like he made a great play or it looked like he had a large impact, that decision alone allows Howard Cross to get a, a one-on-one matchup instead of a double team and, again, force the fumble to end the game. Yeah. 
All right. More good stuff. Well, we promised some Louisville talk. Do you have some specific Louisville stuff for us? Yeah. So I wanted to get into um, whiteboarding some like how how NC State was so good about shutting down the Louisville run. And I, I'm not going to I'm going to be honest with you. I watched the whole game and, and nothing really like stuck out to me. Right. Like there was some like I guess that nothing stuck out that was like. This is, you know, whiteboard material. This is X's and O's. They didn't do anything special is what you're saying. Like yeah, they Marcus, really didn't do Marcus anything Freeman special. was just saying NC State was so successful because they, they play hard and they're fast, <laughs> you know? And I heard some of that, and I guess instead of kind of whiteboarding what I saw from Louisville, I would just like to go through um, some of the notes that I noticed on Louisville and, and what was kind of effective and why their run game wasn't able to, to get going because – to me, the, the run game is the biggest part of Louisville's offense. Um, Plummer is not a great drop-back quarterback. He he excels on play-action type pass plays. And the only way you can get into play-action pass plays is obvious is if the run game is respected and if it's working, right? And so if the run game isn't working, that alternatively is going to affect the pass game for Louisville. And I think that's ultimately why you saw – a relatively low scoring game from a really high powered explosive offense on papers. They just couldn't get the run game open and that didn't allow for the pass game to get open. But I saw a lot of times when NC state or sorry, when Louisville was successful is when NC state went down, went to three down linemen. And I don't think that really affects Notre Dame too much because they like hardly never get into three, you know, three, three, Mm -hmm. especially on running downs. And then another thing I noticed is, and this largely happened when NC State was going with three down linemen is they were getting outnumbered in the box. But anytime they made it a point to kind of match the numbers in the box, like say there were six, you know, six offensive players in the box and NC State had six players in the in the defensive box. They had a ton, ton of success. And that that really is what it, it, it kind of boils down to. And I saw, too, like Louisville's running backs or sorry, Louisville's offensive line really wasn't good unless they were pulling guards. Like their running back was getting met one yard in the backfield at initial contact point, right? So the defensive linemen were just getting a really, really strong push on the Louisville offensive line. And so those are things that Notre Dame should feel good about because, I mean, just look at what Howard Cross did last week against Duke. He was blowing up just about every play. And if you can have a player like Howard Cross do that against Louisville, I think it's going to lead – to great things. And I, I think that's like, oh, like, of course you can say that, right? Like if Howard Cross plays that type of way every week, then sure. Like it should be a great, like it, they, they should be able to shut down the run. But I just, to me, a larger part of this game is going to be predicated by Notre Dame's linebacker play because NC state has such down, like Marcus Freeman said, they have such downhill and fast linebackers that know how to clog the run lanes and they know how to swarm to the, to the ball that's got it. Like JD Bertrand and Maris Leofau are going to have very big days in terms of run success because we know the defensive line is going to get, you know, uh, is going to get pushed and they're going to back things up. But what made NC State so good is their linebackers were cleaning up plays. They were swarming to the ball. They were filling run lanes and immediately making tackles. And they don't miss a lot of tackles either. And that's that's been a bigger knock, I think, on Maris Leofau and JD Bertrand is you got it when you hit someone in the backfield, you got to bring them down. And you, you can't give these running backs a second chance, essentially. 
Yeah, interesting because they've they've got you know one of the running backs is is among their best receivers just in terms of yards per catch. They've got you know a wide receiver who's averaging over twenty five yards per catch, only seven receptions, but twenty five yards per reception. The running back averaging twenty two point seven, I believe it is, per reception, and and uh, they are downfield a little bit. But I think you know what 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 stands out to me about Plummer is this is a guy who's already thrown six interceptions. He threw two last week against North Carolina state. He threw two against Murray state in a blowout win over Murray state. Notre Dame got to him when he was with Cal last year, they sacked him six times in that game. He is not mobile by any stretch of the imagination. And as you said, play action is such a huge part of his game. So well, let, let's face it. Does a quarterback transfer to three different schools in three different years if he's a, a really good elite thrower and, and quarterback? Like, you got to take those. Like, and I was watching when I was watching the the game. He missed throws against North Carolina State. Like, he he there were opportunities for him. He just simply couldn't get the ball there. And I just think there's a lack of uh, overall quarterback talent in, in terms of Jack Plummer's play. Like. I would say he's like a solid six or seven out of 10 in terms of like a quarterback ranking um, at the end of the day. And so I'm not overly um, worried about his arm. I'm more so worried about what he can do to you in the play action game. So I think Notre Dame's first and like Notre Dame's defensive strategy going into this week is to shut down the run and make Jack Plummer beat you with his arm, make him expand the field with his arm essentially. And, and, and once he maybe proves it a little bit, that's when you can maybe start expanding out in coverage just a little bit more. I agree. Kenneth, uh, you know, I, I love how you, you mentioned the Cowboys and everyone <laughs> pounces on it right away. Kenneth, Kenneth says, talk about how the Cowboys will go two games behind the Eagles because they face Sam Fran. I mean, I'm not looking for the same to... team that just, you know, uh, went to overtime with the commanders. Mm-hmm. Just... I'm not looking forward to Sunday night. I will say that, but let's not forget. <laughs> The Eagles are going to have to play the 49ers as well later in the season. So we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. And you're right. They barely squeaked by Washington the other day. I think it's going to end up being a a tighter race than a lot of people think, but we don't have to get hung up there. (laughs) All right. So any more, any more Uh, on that before we uh, move along? I I really want to highlight – the play of Howard Cross. I know we talked about him a little bit. Marcus Freeman talked about him. I just want to give some kind of overall notes of, of what makes – because he, he was obviously the guy that stood out the most on defense this week, right? He had like the forced fumble, the 13 tackles, a couple sacks, a couple QB hits, a couple QB pressures. Um, he did he, – he was tremendous, especially like from a note – like a defensive tackle perspective. When, when you listen to Marcus Freeman talk in his press conference – the things that he said about Howard Cross um, is that he's got confident in his he's confident in his skills. He's a great mm-hmm. practice player, and he's always practicing with intent, right? And he was Marcus Freeman said, if we could get everyone to practice like that, you know, we would be an even scarier team, essentially. But the things that I noticed the most about Howard Cross um, is for the position that he plays, he's got strength and he's got quickness. Because to me, he's a little bit undersized. And so you would expect yeah. the, the quickness to be He's there. only 288. So, right. Yeah. But he's still so strong at the end mm-hmm. of the day. He's got a great first step. He's got great hands to shed blocks. Like the amount of, you know, swipes and swims and, you know, all the different things that I saw out of him. Because I, I watched the entire game 
just looking at Howard Cross too at, at you know when I rewatched it because I wanted to highlight some Howard Cross stunts and everything like that. But again, the the thing to me that that separates him is his lateral quickness once the block is defeated. He'll get off his block and if he notices outside run, he still has the lateral quickness to shed his block and make a tackle on a guy who's still trying to maybe get, you know, to the tackle uh, offensive tackle tight end range of, you know, like a veer and outside kind of zone type play. He still has the the quickness, the lateral ability to shed his block and get the get down um, the line of scrimmage. And to me, he's an elite tackler. Once he gets you, you're not going anywhere. He finishes just about every tackle uh, that, that he engages in. So I, I just I really love his quickness and his his hands off the ball. He's got really good quick hands to deflect tacklers. And sometimes he's just got the strength to bull rush guys. I think yeah. he's going to be, you know, he's I, you, the senior bowl uh, people were tweeting about it. He's the quickest guy kind of rising up the charts right now. And I think he's going to end up being a really good NFL player uh, when it's all said and done. He's an interesting one because of the position he plays and all the quickness that you, I mean, like, but like he's quick for nose. I've been thinking about him. How does that translate to the next level? I think that's going to be a big question. You're probably right. The senior bowl is going to ultimately be huge for him in terms of, of how his future looks. Is that it? That's all I got. 